Welcome to episode two of Learning with Young Leaders. In today's episode, we speak to Regine, a current business analyst at McKinsey, one of the top management consulting firms in the world. Regine has had a wide variety of experiences in top firms including Google, Mercedes-Benz and International Enterprise Singapore. She also co-founded her own company, Generation Z, a non-profit enterprise which seeks to create opportunities for the younger generation. In this interview, we discuss the lessons she learned from working in countless part-time jobs, how she managed to secure opportunities for herself, and why we shouldn't be afraid to ask for chances. To support this podcast, we really appreciate it if you could give us a five-star review and leave your comments on what else you'd love to learn or who you'd like to hear from. Thank you, and let's hear what Regine has to say. Hi Regine, welcome to the show. Hi, nice yeah. to meet you, Marcus. Yeah, nice to meet you as well. First of all, thank you very much for taking your time out to attend our podcast. And because our podcast is still relatively new, right? So it's really nice to have you on our podcast to actually share your experiences. And one of the very first few things I would like to ask is actually just your perspective of life in general. So why I asked that is because I was going through your LinkedIn profile and I saw the article on yeah. today online, right, where you did more than 50 part-time jobs. So I just wanted to yeah. know a bit more about how do you come about doing all this stuff. Yeah, so in the article, I mentioned kind of three lessons that I mm. learned from doing all of this. And I, I guess, I mean, to some extent, it shapes, you know, my views on life. So the first one was about, you know, taking every chance and every shot that you get. And, you know, that there's really nothing to lose. You have no face to lose. And, you know, you should always just go for it because, um, you know, things don't come if, like, you you don't try, in a sense. And I think when I grew up, of course, you know, uh, Dariko also mentioned my kind of background. So I think something that my, my mom always mentions to me is that, you know, ask and you'll receive. I mean, sometimes you ask, but you don't receive. But if you don't ask, then you will never receive it. Lah. So I, I think, and the reason why I wanted to highlight that first point is also because, you know, I see a lot of um, friends around me, especially my juniors. Sometimes they ask mm. me for advice. And then, but they're quite hesitant to reach out to people or they are, you know, shy and what they are worried what people will think about them. Honestly, I think in general, people are quite nice. Of course, they are, I mean, honestly, I've met some really not nice people around during my okay. <laughs> time when I was reaching out. Yeah, but in general, people are nice. So I don't think like you should be frightened la, and you should always just go for it. Yeah. What, what were second, some of those examples, if I could just interject? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, the, the not-so-good examples. Okay, yeah. Um, honestly, I'm very surprised when people tell me, you know, when they reach out to me and then, like, you know, we have a chat and then they and then they tell me, like, oh, they actually have never met, like, a mean person. Because I, I mean, I sent out, you know, so many cold emails. I mm-hmm. uh, was trying to find, you know, internship and jobs. And... Sometimes I got nasty replies on emails, and sometimes I got nas- like nasty replies, you know, during the coffee chat itself. So I, I just want to bring out like two examples, and actually these two people were from the same company, but I won't mention which one. Okay. Uh, but it's a well-known company, uh, and yeah. So one of them was via email. So because I work in fifty part-time jobs, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, I mean, of course, I don't put all of them in my resume, but I do put, I mean, my, and my resume is definitely one pager, so it's the conventional kind. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. But I mean, I do put like quite a number of experiences there. So I remember I was sending my resume around just to network people. And then one of the guys replied to me and say, oh, you seem like a job hopper. Then you say, you should just be contented in current role and you don't need to keep applying, you know, to so many different places. And, you know, so to me, it's like, I mean, and he put it in a very mean way. You know, it was mm. not it was not in a nice, yeah, it was very mean-spirited. I also clarify with him, right, that actually I'm a student and I actually did this, you know, three-month kind of thing because I'm, a, I'm doing internship there. Yeah. I'm not like a full-time job. Mm. So it's not that I anyhow jump here and there, like, in a sense. Yeah, but he was he was still like giving very mean comments and I don't, I mean, I don't get why he need to give such a comment because even if I was really like jumping, not hopping every three months, which is not really the case, well, I mean, he can, re- he should respect la, like people's career decisions mm. and I mean, the, I mean, the most he could do is maybe not reply uh, instead of giving kind of like a mean reply. La. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Mm. Then the second case was actually even worse because I actually got, not saying worse, but it was different scenario. So I got to meet the person, you know, after chatting on email a couple of times in real life. And so I met in the office or like near the office, like me and Will, like, yeah. So we met like, you know, in the area. And yeah, so, you know, I introduced myself and we we'll share oh, why I'm so passionate to join this company and all of that. Then I remember that, I mean, I couldn't remember exact words he said, but he made me feel very unworthy because the company that I was applying to is actually a very well-known company and he made me feel like, oh, I didn't, even though he decided to meet in real life, he still said a lot of like hurtful or uncomfortable words such mm. as I mean uncomfortable things such as oh uh, you're oh you don't seem to have like that kind of experience or oh would you mind taking like a, like a temporary role because we don't give full time just to anyone that kind of thing uh, mm. and also like oh you I'm not sure if you like oh we usually look for people with like very uh, very strong in their like academics and every and very good experience and that kind of blah blah that kind of thing so he just made me feel like I was so useless that immediately after I left that meeting, right? Of course, during a meeting itself, I try to like, keep my composure and like, mm. be polite and nice. But I was like, I felt re- I felt so sad that I cried after that meeting. Yeah. Oh, no. Because he, yeah, he made me feel so like insecure of myself when I didn't need to be. And also made me feel like I didn't do enough when I know I have done like my best. Mm. So yeah, there's like, like there's like mean things like that that happen, you know. <laughs> but I think some people are quite lucky, so they haven't met such mean people, which is a good thing, right? Uh, mm. Or maybe people are getting nicer nowadays. Yeah. Okay, then you were talking about the, you had a second point, right, previously? Yeah. No, I was just talking about the second point on the article, mm. um, which is actually uh, about you should respect everyone and every opportunity that you get. Mm. And, um, you know, there's, every, there's always like something you can learn from them. So this was, I know I said this after an observation where, I mean, I felt that a lot of people nowadays, they care quite a lot about how people perceive them. And um, so that leads to the implication where they care a lot about popularity, speech, as well as power and all of these related um, terms, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But then again, because of all of these kind of barriers right, to where they want to be and where they see themselves and how they want to portray themselves to other people, mm-hmm. it also denies them of opportunities. And like, and 
mean, very meaningful opportunities in the sense that they only select, um, for example, jobs or internships that, you know, are at very well-known places. I mean, I'm not saying that that's a wrong thing, right? But I, I feel like there's something you can learn from every company. And if you've mm. never worked, for example, in SME before or in a startup before, or even in the government before, right, you're missing out on that kind of perspective that could really give you like, you know, which could really be very, very interesting, like, I would say. Because if you just want to work in the big companies, the well-known companies, then you only get that one side of the experience yep. and it's limited. Uh, I mean, there's, there's just so, so many amazing people that I've met, you know, in um, companies that people didn't hear about before or even companies that people think, oh, it's like, yeah, so easy to get in, you know. Mm. Um, but this is where I met all of the best and most, you know, nicest people who, you know, they really take a lot of time and effort and I, they didn't get anything back, but they were willing to really train me and teach me everything that they had to know. And, you know, until today, I'm so grateful for all of these people mm. compared to, you know, in the well-known companies, right, where people are just, you know, more for themselves and, uh, <laughs> and so it's, you know, like, really, yeah, yeah it's so like very it, ambitious and everything. So essentially, it's really about yeah, it, it's because experience also, right? it's because people sometimes chase the name too much that they they sort of forget that they could have other opportunities yeah. elsewhere, right? Yeah, huh? I mean this is like super important because I mean I just want to bring up like another two more examples of people that I've met recently where I felt that this is actually not a good thing. That's why I wanted to through the article tell people that especially in you know difficult situations, right? I mean you need to be more open and you need to mm. also be also need to respect the opportunity so and there was this one guy who approached me recently so he had this offer from this well-known company but it was kind of like pushed back indefinitely because of the situation right okay. and then he had this other offer from this like lesser known company but still, it's still a very good company you know and it was like confirmed and it was a very good role where he can learn a lot but he was because of the name right he was willing to wait out for you know, one, get the, the first opportunity because of the name. And like, you don't even know if it's going to happen, you know. And and at the same time, it's money that you're, you're also losing, right? Because, you know, you do internship and you get uh, mm. allowance and all of that. So, I'm just one, so that, that situation to me was like quite um, surprising because, yeah, it, it shows like how much people really care about the brand name. And, you know, like another situation was also when uh, I had a friend looking for a full-time role but also, you know, very concerned about, like, where people see um, him going to, you know, is it, like, a good company or... And then he was, like, trying to find a job for some time, like, because he he was picky with the options. Yeah, it was not... I mean, I, I think depends, like, but it, it could be toxic sometimes. Yeah, all of this chasing the brand names and prestige and popularity stuff. Mm. But so... Since young, you've always been trying out these different things, right? But at a point where all your friends were like playing or like doing their own stuff, what made you wanna just go and try out different things? Oh, <laughs> it was not really try. It was more because try kind of what's that word? Like, implies that I had a choice, right? Okay, mm. not saying that I have a choice, but it was also by circumstance that you know I also needed to look for opportunities. Okay. I mean, I won't go so much details into my family background, but there were months that we had like literally zero income at all. And I'm not, I'm, I don't want to go into all, all the like the difficult um, family situations, uh, but then, I mean, basically zero income, debts to pay, um, huge debts to pay, and very difficult uh, situation. 
So I felt like the only thing that, I mean, I'm just like 12 years old, or I'm, or I'm just like 13 years old, right? So what, what can, what, I mean, like, at least the minimum I can do is maybe earn my own allowance. I mean, I, I don't think I needed to like provide for a family. La. Nobody expects me to provide mm. for a family, even if the situation is very bad. But at least I can earn my own allowance and, you know, maybe try to like help with the expenses uh, to a little small extent based on, you know, different things. So I actually have a younger brother. And then my first job was we actually went door to door because there was this offer at Shenzhong or something last time okay. where they sell the where they sell the like tomato ketchup bottles for like four for two dollars. Mm-hmm. So it was like zero, it was just like fifty cents per bottle la. And then we went door to door to to sell it for two dollars each. And then like we will even like sing a song. It's like Christmas. Car- okay, it's not no, it's not even like Christmas, but okay. we like sing song because we are all like small and cute now. So people also like quite support la. Then. We were like sing song and then like, oh, you want to buy this, like $2 only. Then some people support, so we, we earn some allowance from there. Yeah, and then slowly from there, then just keep finding different jobs on Facebook, Gumtree, and other websites. Yeah, then felt that, yeah, I mean, I, I'm helping my family and helping my my mom. So, yeah, overall, it's good, lah. it's a good thing. So no, that sort of shaped your whole... Um character growing up in a sense yeah because you see the thing is that that's why I, I feel like it's very important right to kind of get this um unconventional kind of work not not just working in the best and super top companies you know you need to work in like those really difficult situations to understand like oh this is how society can be or this is how some of the jobs can actually be because there were very there were many very difficult situations like when I was doing like my dishwashing kind of work or when I had to give out flyers and you know face so many rejections I mean like now today right because of all these experiences I'm very confident of myself and mm-hmm. I also know what I'm good in and what I'm not good in and I, I gain a lot of self-awareness that kind of things as well so yeah these experiences it was super integral to that and that's why I, I feel that people shouldn't deny themselves of, you know, having, like, not so awesome, like, not so cool experiences. They should always, like, be very open to try out many different things. And you can learn so much about yourself in the process. And at the same time, you like, the most awesome thing is that you can earn money also, right? So, mm. yeah. Yeah, so, I think that is, that is very important. Yeah. Okay, that's quite interesting. So, because you had a uh, super lot of experiences, that sort of really gave you the exposure to a lot of different things that you picked up from different areas, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, because, you know, I, I had these experiences. I met people with very, very interesting stories and very interesting life experiences that you can learn from, you know, like or how they started their own business mm. uh, or how they overcame a difficult financial situation um, and how they uh, managed their income, things like that. Okay. So... Maybe moving into uni life, right? What sort of goals did you enter uni with? Were there certain things that you wanted to achieve? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I'm not sure if you watch this movie, right? But it's called... But like people judge me when I say like I like this movie. Lah. So it's called Move of Wall Street. Okay. You watch that movie? I've heard of it before. I think I've seen oh, snippets my God, of you it before. Watch it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You should watch it, yeah. Because, okay, I'm not, I won't say that's my most favorite movie, but I would say that was a movie that inspired me. Um, of course, some things there obviously are not right to do, but mm. the, the part that inspired me was more like his 
ability to sell to people. And then, of course, you know, if he put it in the right way, right, he could, he could have been really good salesman, you know, maybe changing, making good change in the world, right? But of course, he, he didn't put it into the right way. Uh, at the same time, also, like, the kind of money he was able to make and things like that, you know, it was, it was quite inspiring for me. So I watched that movie before I entered university. Yeah, then I was, I was so excited and I, I was thinking, oh, I want to go into investment banking. And then I, first thing I did immediately when I joined the university is see, oh, what is that? Is that investment banking club here? Can I go and apply? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then I was like, oh, I thought, I thought, I thought like after graduation, I like 99% become investment banker, right? So I was in investment banking club and then I applied for the role that nobody wanted to be, like it was a, like a VP position, but nobody wanted to be in that role because it was like the Saikang role. La. But I just mm-hmm. take it anyway because uh, for me, every opportunity is a good opportunity. So it was this like technology and operations. So mm-hmm. basically like helping with the technology and like, you know, like planning and like all the logistical stuff. Then slowly, you know, building the community, learning more about investment banking, building my financial knowledge and all of that, and then helping to grow the members. And then in my final year of university, I, I and another guy became the president of the club and then, you know, grow the club even bigger. So today it's a very big uh, and very established club. We have, you know, great training, great industry opportunities, mm. competitions, so many, like, everything there. Yeah, so very happy how it turned out. But in the end, like, actually very, very interestingly, after I joined the investment banking club, I realized that investment banking was not for me. Because of like the hours and the culture mm-hmm. and also like where I see myself. So in the end, yeah, I was like going up between like technology and consulting. Then I, I ended in consulting. So, yeah, but, okay. Why did you go into consulting? What do you like about consulting? Actually, I, you know, I'm someone who, I never thought I would go into consulting. Even like during my like fi- final year in university, or at least like second final year, I didn't think I was going to go into consulting until I, because I was working in Google as an intern and this guy and myself were the first two interns to have, you know, got into Google from the Nanyang Business School. So it was also like, you know, super cool experience and like, you know, I, I mean, I thought like, wow, I'm definitely going to go into Google and like become full-time there and it's like, you know, I mean, like, just, like, super awesome, like, the culture, the people and everything, and, like, free food and free massage, and all that is true, yeah, so, but then, um, one day I was, like, scrolling through LinkedIn, I saw this guy, um, from McKinsey and Company, and he posted something, so I was, like, wow, he actually knows so much about, you know, technology, and, you know, he's, like, very, he's, like, very, very, like, intelligent guy, so I contacted him, and he's so friendly and nice also, you know, and then he, and then, like, we managed to have a meet-up, like, just at the Tiong Baru Bakery. And then, yeah, and he shared, he imparted me so much knowledge and he was just so kind and, like, coaching and so much mentorship. And I was, I was like, really, really inspired by him. And at the same time, he also shared with me, like, how, you know, his work in McKinsey is like, you know, he has, like, every day he's a new challenge and then a lot very intellectually um, challenging, you know, every day he's problem-solving different things. He's, you know, creating a lot of great impact. Uh, and he's doing like things that he really loved. And then I was, yeah, so I was so inspired by that. And then I was like, oh, maybe, you know, this is something that is like really in line with me, right? And I think the most important thing is that McKinsey is also very focused on creating positive impact on the world. So that's why I go and apply. And then, you know, just like keep practicing after that. 
Yeah, I never, I didn't even join any case competition or any case clubs before in my life. So I was like, well, I have to keep practicing and practicing. But in the end, like, luckily I managed to get in. With, oh, but he also referred me very nicely. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Because I was just about to ask, like, how do you actually get in? I mean, McKinsey is not the easiest to enter right from graduation, yeah. right? Yeah, so no, really, like, okay, so, like, you know, like, the power of referrals is so important. And that's why LinkedIn is, like, such a great platform. I mean, both LinkedIn and, like, just co-emailing as well. Mm. Um, my, actually, I got my Google offer, right, from co-emailing, yeah. Okay. Um, like, to, like, I mean, not just Google, like, I mean, applied to all the tech companies and stuff. But, like, you know, a few hundred people, actually. And then only a few of them responded to me, you know. So, yeah, then... I think referrals are super important, especially for, you know, the more competitive companies because they put you at the top of the pile mm. uh, for the HR to see. And at the same time, if that person is also in a position where they are a good advocate, right, where they can really help you in your career in the company itself, then that's even better. So, for example, this guy, he's, um, you know, he's actually... Um, Back then, he was a manager, and then now he's actually promoted to become a partner. And then he's actually super helpful and can really like teach me so much knowledge and also help in terms of my career and, and guide me like as a, as a mentor. And that's something that every company wants. La, to, mm. that, there's, someone, that, there's someone there for you, even before you join. Yeah. So what's your usual approach when you speak to these people? How do you broach the topic? Yeah, so actually one thing that I mentioned in my article, right, is that I feel like you should you should cast a wide net. But at the same time, also be targeted in the sense that like know who who to target as well during this networking process. So you don't contact people who are just like one month in the company. I mean, I have done that mistake one time or a few, mm. like one or two times. And that person actually, I mean, they were nice. Like, they replied me or they just like came in so they didn't really know like their own things properly. So how are they supposed to help me in a sense, right? So totally understand. So you should like you know, look for people that you have similar interests or background in, and then you should reach out to them. At the same time, right, because you're casting a white net, you cannot type super custom emails for everyone. There were some portions that were different, so I will, you know, I always do a self-introduction. That part do need to be customized, lah. But the part where I see, you know, why I'm contacting them, you know, what I like about, I mean, what I want to learn from them and what I want to chat with them about is different because each of them, you know, they bring expertise in a different way and they have like different experiences or they have done, they are doing different things or from different schools. Mm. So I always talk about that subject and then at the same time, I'll attach my resume because I always feel like resume adds credibility to yourself. And the last thing and super important thing for networking, right, is always be very specific. This is something that people always forget. Mm-hmm. So I see a lot of people who try to send like networking emails. They always like, oh, um, call, you can feel free to call me or email me at this. Like, and for me, I'm like thinking, mm, okay, I don't know, firstly, if I email you back, I don't know if I'm, like, spending a lot of time, and then I don't know if I call you or text you, like, what's, what's going to happen, you know? Mm. Um, and also, you know, there's, like, a lot of questions. So I always see something like, oh, would you mind having a 15 to 30 minute call anytime this or next week? I'm very flexible, and I'll adjust your time. And that kind of thing, it's, like, makes people, like, you know, maximum 15 or 30 minutes, fine. Anytime next week or this week, okay, I just say, oh, I'm free this Thursday, can we really? It's, like, super easy for them to respond. Compared to, oh, they have to take the initiative to contact mm. you, email you, and then like, uh, keep chatting, keeping, and don't know what happens, so, you know? Yeah. 
Okay, so from your experience of working at these super great companies, right? I mean, you've worked at Google and now McKinsey. What do you think are some defining characteristics of a good leader? Yeah, I think good leaders, actually good leaders, uh, they, they exist in every organization. One company was actually Mercedes-Benz. It's not say lesser known, it's just because maybe compared to Google and McKinsey, it's not the most shining company, but it was mm-hmm. a it's good company anyway. So I, I met like one or two managers um, in different parts of my career that I felt was super awesome. And the reason, I think the main reason is because they are just so empowering. Yeah. And I think just being empowering and giving people the benefit of doubt, giving them opportunities, creating opportunities for them. Firstly, don't micromanage. Mm-hmm. Like, and secondly, like, at the same time, help them succeed. You know, challenge and push them in a, in a positive way, right? And you know, after I meet these two managers, you know, it also kind of shaped my leadership at the investment banking club when I was the president there. And, you know, I felt that it was very helpful because there was this one member, right? He's actually a very intelligent guy back then, but he, he was he was not someone who was like the super initiative taker kind of person, okay. but he is very intelligent. So I actually kind of push him or, or encourage him to start this even like small club um, that actually does algorithmic trading. And today the club is, you know, more than 20 members big. They actually have multiple algorithms that they are running and that they are sourcing data um, from multiple um, data pools. And they actually, you know, really somewhat live or, you know, in the test bidding stage. Mm. So, you know, it, I think creating opportunities and also being able to identify strengths and weaknesses of individuals and giving them like that kind of, motivation that they can really do it right that's that's very important yeah so these bosses they they are very much focused on the people aspect they don't judge people they have just so much faith in people i wish i I had that kind of faith and like so much trust and awesomeness you know believe everyone is awesome and give them a chance like one of the managers in uh, mercedes-benz everybody loved him so much and yeah uh, he was not afraid to give you know even opportunities that some of his colleagues sometimes outshine himself in front of the senior management and they, you know, get promoted and things like that. He's like completely very happy. And I, I think like his song is very inspiring for me. Yeah. Okay. So for yourself, you also started your own initiative, right? Generation Z. Yeah. Would you like to tell us yeah. a bit more about that? Yeah. So Generation Z actually um, stems from my personal experience. And also, beca- and also like kind of insp- inspired by these managers as well. I mean, even though myself, you know, I studied in JC and, you know, I I also, you know, went to a, you know, like local uni to study mm-hmm. business and, you know, generally in terms of like um, education wise, you know, have been kind of more the traditional path in a sense, but I, I was never someone who was very strong in academics. Yeah. And in fact, I got into, I got into NTU because of my prelim results, not because of my actual A-level results. Yeah, which was like, yeah, not super. I mean, it was like, okay, but it was not like very good. And I mean, even in NTU, right, I I mean, I was never like in this list or I was always, I mean, I, I did okay, like academically. I mean, okay enough to, you know, get into, get opportunities, like I would say, but mm-hmm. not anything like super outstanding or was never any top student or anything like that. Yeah, so I, I always feel that no matter of someone's background, race, gender, academics, or anything else that defines them, I don't think that opportunities should be, you know, 
def- given and defined based yeah. on that. I think it's very important that everyone gets a fair opportunity. And the sad thing is that in Singapore, I mean, Singapore is quite a good country in the sense that there's still quite a lot of social mobility, even if you're from a low-income family. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, there, there's still a gap um, in terms of it's an opportunity gap, definitely. I mean, people, I mean, let's just be real here, right? Where people actually get a lot of internships through people they know. Um, and often it's who their parents know or their relatives. And mm. this, I mean, this kind of um, keeps, yeah, it increases the opportunity gap la, between people from privileged backgrounds and not so privileged backgrounds. But people from not so privileged backgrounds have to take more unconventional paths sometimes, um, such as, you know, um, doing a, like a lot of networking and like a lot of cold email and um, really like trying to reach out actively and hustle a lot. Whereas um, from, you know, privileged backgrounds, sometimes they, you don't really have to go through that. So, I mean, there's a lot of this opportunity gap. And Generation Z wants to firstly create fair and equal opportunities for everyone. And secondly, people who are, you know, under the age of um, 22, right? Because that's like when Generation Z um, starts. Or, I mean, yeah. under the age of 22. And it's actually targeted at people who are in secondary schools, JCs, polytechnics, ITEs, uh, and so on and so forth. And, be- and what we want, right, is... Because if you look at a lot of the youth organization nowadays, I could name a few, but I don't want to like, yeah, I don't want to like name any specific ones, but they are very targeted and broad based and they are also very focused on like mentorship, which is actually, I mean, it's a good thing, right? Mentorship is helpful, but I think that there's an economic aspect that is not being talked about where actually a, quite a number of secondary school students, right, they actually have to do part-time jobs, you know, when they are still studying. Mm. because of the financial backgrounds. And I feel that, you know, if we can help to uplift them through giving them meaningful opportunities in companies that, you know, actually require, you know, um, like labor, but it is maybe, because of course, this young young um, students don't need like, like one or two K, right? They can work for $500, they can work for $400. Mm. It's a, enough allowance for them. So kind of matching that kind of um, people uh, with these right opportunities, right? I think that's where there's a gap that can be met. And at the same time, you know, be very powerful in uplifting people from the economic circumstances. And at the same time also, you know, giving them the right skills uh, and opportunities and experiences to find a really good employment in the future so that they're not disadvantaged when it comes to finding real employment. Mm. So that's, that's where um, Generation Z wants to develop, it, develop um, this area. And currently we have about 30 uh, students really in involved in the community, and this is actually I'm actually a co-founder, so I'm working together with another friend of mine on this um project together. But we're doing this on the side because both of us have full-time jobs, so that's mm. why it's not scaling up as fast as we want to because you know we're not full-time on this. But at the same time, I think it's good that there's a start, and hopefully you know when we find some time or we find a more scalable model that requires less hands-on intervention, then hopefully can create even more impact on more people. Has there been any like successful um, stories emerging from that initiative? Yeah, so we connected. Um, so there's this uh, 12 years old boy who is, he just, uh, so he just recently started his secondary school. Uh, mm. okay, so he's like 12, 13 years old. Then, he also, you know, is coming from a difficult situation and he also used to work, you know, like with like as a delivery boy, yeah, where he helped to like deliver 
parcels and all of that, and then you get paid like $5 for every parcel. So, you know, the thing is that I work in so many of these kind of jobs, right, that I, I realized one thing, which is that they don't, I mean, okay, you can you can work on them for like a few years, it's okay, but if you continue working in them, right, you'll be trapped in them. Yeah, firstly, because they don't teach you a lot of skills that are transferable mm. to actually like real, uh, real like better economic opportunities. You'll be stuck in that part of the value chain. So what we did was that you know, we actually, I mean, he's still continuing on that job, but we're also helping, we're trying to help him upskill himself by, you know, helping him subscribe to some online training courses mm. of knowledge and all of that. Then he's currently learning like, during his school holiday. Uh, and then when he finally, like when he like is ready to start, then we will find, we will link him up with, you know, a startup that we know uh, that actually needs such talent but also at the same time you know it's not willing to like invest home i mean like it's not willing to pay like uh mm. uk or something for a developer right so just test out with him and then see how it goes so at the same time he can build his own experience and his and develop his coding and programming skills and at the same time the startup also you know they get extra manpower on board without having to really pay certain fees um, when they can't really afford it la. so mm, that's, that's something nice. that we are working on yeah I think I just want to clarify one misconception is that this is what this one displaces anyone's job. So it's not mm. like they hire this little boy and then they will like fire one full <laughs> time developer. Okay. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, mm. it's more like yeah, it's more like an additional resource kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add? Perhaps tell people who are looking to perhaps enter a new job or trying to find their own direction in life. Yeah, I would just. I think I think the most important thing is just to be open and adventurous. Don't deny yourself of opportunities and always stay hungry. I mean, you really have nothing to lose, like doing different things, right? So, and I, I like that. I mean, like, I think even you, Marcus, you know, you're doing such a cool initiative, um, helping mm. those young leaders grow and learn from other uh, young leaders as well. And I think we need people with initiative and who, you know, who really take chances and even like create opportunities for themselves. Sometimes opportunities don't come to you, you know, like you mm. really have to find them for yourself. You keep fishing the fish won't come to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's why I think that's, that's the most important thing. La. Okay. I think I'll end off with this one last question, which is what does success look like to you? Mm. So, yeah, I think this is a, wow, challenging last question to end <laughs> Success looks to me, I'm someone who is very passionate about technology and startups because I mean, I didn't mention this previously, but I feel that these are the greatest equal, equalizers uh, in the Singaporean society mm. and they can uplift a lot of people. Uh, and where I see myself is that, you know, success to me means that I'll be in a position where I can really help a lot of people in the communities that I'm passionate about, especially the underprivileged communities. And I hope that there can be more inclusivity of people from different backgrounds and more equal opportunities for everyone regardless of whatever so this is something that I want to create la, in the long term yeah for people to not be disadvantaged by whatever circumstances they were born into okay great I think that's all I have for now thank you very much for your time and hopefully we will have the chance to meet up once this whole situation dies down we appreciate you joining us for this episode of Learning with Young Leaders be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit sakoniorigino.com slash podcast for more resources based on today's topic. That's sakoniorigino.com slash podcast. 
Until next time, stay curious, keep learning.